Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. It's wonderful, wonderful to have you with us on Good Friday. It is a Good Friday. It was a dark day in history, but it was dark because of the wonderful love of Jesus. And it wasn't all over, was it? No. Let's thank our amazing team up here (laughs) who led us right into God's presence. We're really glad you joined us today. Mark 15 says this, Mark 15, 1 to 5 says, Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law, the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Then the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they're bringing against you? But Jesus said, nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Jesus is on trial here for the second time. The first time, he stood before the high priest. This time, he's standing before Pilate. Jesus doesn't answer when they accused him, and Pilate is surprised. Pilate does not want to try this case. He tries to get out of it. He tries to enact a custom which could allow him to release Jesus, but the crowd and the religious leaders will have nothing of it. They chose instead to release a violent murderer called Barabbas. Pilate feels out of options, so so he releases Jesus to be crucified. Crucifixion was... Deliberately and specifically designed to be the most humiliating and gruesome way to die. But Jesus willingly chose it. He chose to be crucified for you and for me. His crucifixion was a fulfillment of many prophecies, but there's one in Psalm 22. And it says this, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, my life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments amongst themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Imagine what Jesus' followers would have felt as they watched this scene unfold. As they were there at the cross. As they watched the man that they had followed for years being crucified. Here was a man, an amazing man. He calmed storms, he banished sickness, he cheated death by the miraculous power of his word. Here was a man that less than a week ago had been given a king's welcome into Jerusalem. He was the Christ. 
how could this be happening? It got very dark on the day that Jesus died. All four gospel writers take pains to show us that all of the critical events of Jesus' death happened in the dark. Some of these events happened in the dark because it was night. But at the actual moment of Jesus' death, although it was daytime, an unexplainable darkness descended. For at midday to 3 p.m., as Jesus was dying, there was total darkness. Mark says this, he says, When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. This was a supernatural darkness. This was a darkness brought about by God himself. See, in the Bible, darkness during the day is a recognised sign of God's displeasure, even of God's judgment. If you read back in, in Genesis, in the plagues in Egypt, when at the very first Passover, that Passover happened in the dark. When Jesus was on the cross, darkness fell. And we know that God was acting in judgment, but who was God judging? At noon, darkness fell in the whole land, across the whole land until three. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Tam Shabbathini, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When Jesus cried out, he didn't cry out, my friends, my friends, my disciples, my disciples, my family, my family. He said, my God, my God. On the cross, Jesus was forsaken and abandoned by God. He looked to the heavens and he said, my God, my God, that's the language of intimacy. If I ever refer to someone as my, for example, my Paul, I'm using a term of affection. And biblically, my God is the way that someone who is in a relationship with God addresses him. He said this, you shall be my people and I will be your God. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? If someone leaves our church or gets upset at me or says they never want to speak to me again, I'll feel pretty bad. I'll even be sad. But if my husband comes up to me and says, I never want to talk to you again, well, that would be unbearable. The longer the love, the deeper the love is, and the greater the torment of its loss. And this abandonment, this loss, was between the father and the son who had loved each other from all eternity. This love was infinitely long, absolutely perfect, and Jesus was losing it as he died on the cross. Jesus was being cut off, alienated, abandoned. Jesus, the maker of the world, was being unmade. Why? Jesus was experiencing our judgment day 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was not a rhetorical question. The answer is, why, why did that happen? It happened for you. It happened for me. It happened for us. Jesus was abandoned and forsaken by God so that we would never have to be. The judgment that should have fallen on me fell instead on him. These days, most of us don't, don't really experience real physical darkness. Even when we're out in the country, there's usually towns nearby, electric light. If you're in utter darkness, though, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Paul and I travelled years ago to a place in Italy and we stayed on a, this beautiful lake in Italy and they had these shutters in the house that we stayed in. I think Europe is very good at this. I mean, I have block-out blinds in my house but they're nothing compared to these shutters, baby. When you pull them down... You can't see a thing. It is pitch, pitch black. And it was hellishly dark, can I say, when those blinds were down. It was scarily dark. And I just wanted to have them back up. Because total darkness is not something we're designed to be able to live with for long periods of time. Explorers of the South Pole talk about how difficult it is to be at the South Pole between May and July because the sun goes down mid-May. And it doesn't come up till July. It's true. It's a true story. There is no daytime, no sunlight for more than two months. They say that the temperature is, is, is really hard to deal with, but not as difficult as the darkness. The worst thing is the darkness. It's been said that there is no desol desolation more complete than a polar night. Few people can fight off the effects altogether and it drives some men mad. In that time of darkness, you can't see forward so you, you don't know where you're going. You have no direction. You can't see yourself. You don't know what you look like. You might as well have no identity. You can't tell whether there's anyone around you to help you or maybe hurt you. You're isolated. No direction. No identity. Isolation. Those three things come out of darkness. Physical darkness brings these things, but according to the Bible, so does spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness comes when we turn away from God as our true light and make something else the centre of our life. Because the Bible compares God to the sun. And the sun helps us to see. And the sun is a source of life. Because without it, nothing can live. 
And according to, according to the Bible, God is the source of light and truth and life. Psalm 36 says, For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. If we orbit our lives around God, then our life has truth and vitality. We are in the light. But if we turn away from God and orbit around any other thing, our career, a relationship, our family, any other person or thing as the source of our warmth, as the source of our hope, the result is spiritual darkness. We are turning away from truth, from life. And when we're in darkness, although we may feel like our life is heading in the right direction, we're actually profoundly disorientated because we are living for something other than God. For example, our money, our career, a person's love. You know, and for a period of time, we might feel like we have something to live for. But if we actually get the thing we've been going after, we will realise that it's not big enough to fill our soul. Ultimately, it does not produce the light we are seeking and we will still be in the dark. If we centre on anything but God, we will lose our identity. It will be fragile and we will be insecure because our identity will be based on all sorts of things like what other people think, on how well we perform. And we actually won't know who we really are. And we're still in the dark. And you can't see yourself when you're in the dark. When we're in spiritual darkness, we're isolated, we're wrapped up in the things that we're living for and Jesus is there saying, let's turn on the light. And without God's intervention, all of us, every single person on the planet is in darkness. That was humankind's trajectory and Jesus' death was the only way to alter it. And this is why Jesus had to go to the cross. He fell into complete darkness. The darkness we were headed for. He died a death. We should have died. So that we could be saved from the judgment we deserved. And we can live in light and the presence of God. Jesus Christ not only died the death, we should have died. He also lived the life we should have lived but couldn't. He was perfect. It doesn't matter who you are, good, bad, right, wrong, happy, sad, hope-filled, hope, without hope. Because he went to the cross. Because of his death, the barrier that was between you and God, is gone. And there is grace and there is forgiveness for you. If I can get the band up. Jesus lost the love of his Father out of his love for you. That's a big thing. See, when we see that, 
when we realize that, it will open our eyes. It allows us to turn away from any other thing that is trying to take our attention, to dominate our life. The fact that Jesus took the darkness, the fact that he stood in our place, means that we can live in light. At times in all of our lives, we have tough seasons and darkness can even seem overwhelming at times, but because of what Jesus did, the darkness is only temporary. It's a passing thing because we have the light of life. John 8 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you follow him, you will have the light that leads to life. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.